brand new Sojourner Pod Week for you today, Meredith Monday. All right, just a little bit different to our normal Meredith Monday this morning. I went to, well, firstly, I haven't got Chris with me. Uh, it's just been too frantic to try, to ske- to try and schedule something. Um, but uh, we'll get back on track with that. Um, but um, I do have a little bit of a, something that I've been thinking about, and um, it is definitely related to Meredith Klein's theology. And I think, uh, actually, almost everything I'll say stems from the impact that his theology has had on me, either indirectly or directly, and I would say on most of the authors that I'll recommend to you um, in this podcast. So what I want to uh, do is just talk with you, and this is a great thing to think about in the beginning of the week, you know, just developing for yourself a good theology of sojourn. Uh, this is something I've been thinking about a lot for a long time now. Um, I, if you know, it's, I think if ever a book comes from me, this is what it will more or less be about. I think, but um, I think that um, this is so so important. I mean, the journey started for me when I realized I was just I had no idea how to live the Christian life when it came down to its nuts and bolts, interacting with the world. I knew that I was zealous for mission. I knew that I was zealous for Christ. But you know, how does it work? And, um, and there's a lot that the Bible has to say to inform us about those kinds of things. And, um, and so there's certain key doctrines in developing a theology of sojourn, obviously extremely relevant to a podcast like this, because it's all about that exact thing. In fact, I would say the whole idea behind this podcast is really um, to, uh, to ho- hopefully, as you listen to this, provide for you kind of a relaxing and enjoyable way um, to over the, over the years or over the months or however long you uh, year this, however, however long we go, um, to to slowly accumulate and develop for yourself a theology that help that helps you live the Christian life along the way, a theology of sojourn. Um, I say sojourn because the analogy here is that we're uh, like um, Israel, we're uh, or at least uh, like the patriarchs even before. The nation of Israel, we're, we're moving toward the promised land. We're um, sojourning through the wilderness. All of those rich biblical metaphors um, get applied to the Christian life. We're exiles and sojourners, etc. And um, and truly, our, our walk through this life is a way, um, or is a, a at least a, a very real sojourn um, to Canaan uh, in its fullest sense. Now, there are some doctrines you have to work this uh, work out though. Otherwise, there's just so many ditches along the way, and um, and there are five of them. I'm trying to sort of keep them on one hand, and uh, th- there might be one more or one less as we go here. But but basically, I think more or less five. The first is that you have to you have to have your covenant theology sorted, right? A vital part of a theology of sojourn is the doctrine of redemption or the doctrine of uh, covenant theology, essentially understanding the way God has worked to save us, the way God has uh, moved history to save us, uh, historically uh, uh, and individually. Um, so I've been looking at Genesis for a long time now uh, with the church. You see in those, this is exactly why Genesis is so important. It, it provides the very foundations of our understanding for what God has done, what God from that point would do, and what now, looking back on history, He has already done. Uh, you need to know this stuff. 
Um, I mean, there are so many reasons, and hopefully we will break these things down just naturally as we go in these podcasts, but uh, or in these episodes at least. But, um, you know, you're thinking here also of your biblical theology. You're thinking of the way in which the story unfolds. You know, part of understanding covenant theology means you have to understand the way that happens. And to understand the way that happens then leads you to understand your place in the story, which is really what we're looking at. We're wanting to know, uh, okay, there's the Bible. We read the Bible. Now, where are we in the Bible? Um, obviously, we didn't live around the times that the, 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 the Bible was written, but it is of deep relevance and application to us. Uh, what is our place in the story? So just as one illustration of that, um, and there are more than this, but, you know, for example, you, you, you consider the way that um, just if we stick into Genesis uh, for a moment, you know, Adam, who was given this great big cultural mandate, that's like what it looked like for him to live in the world. He had to do some stuff. He had things that God wanted him to do. Um, and um, he failed. And after that, it's like, all right, now what, what do we want? Do we pick it up? Do we keep going? Do we do what Adam should have done? Or, you know, do we keep going with the cultural mandate? Uh, do we treat, keep trying to have babies and fill the earth? You know, things like that. It's just a very obvious question. What does God want us to do? How shall we then live? Um, and then, of course, our covenant theology shows us as we look through the whole Bible, we see, oh, wait, no, actually, God promised to send a lost Adam. He would do these things. Um, he has done these things. And now uh, it's not that we're trying to merely replicate what the first Adam failed to do. Christ has done this for, for us. Uh, we're asking the question, how is it that we can uh, come unto Christ and do what he has called us to do, uh, being the lost Adam? And uh, that changes everything. Then all of a sudden you go from a focus um, on, on a cultural mandate to, um, you know, to, to the, the, the mission of the gospel, which I'll, I'll come back to in a second. But there's just one example. And, and obviously, if you mess around with that, if you start playing around with monocovenantalism, which is just to kind of alleviate that, you know, basically people want to say, well, there was grace before the fall, there's, gra- there's law after the fall, uh, there's law in the covenant of grace, there's, you know... Um, uh, well, they're essentially the same covenant, um, mono-covenantalism. I mean, you can see how that would mess everything up, right? Then all of a sudden you're like, well, okay, so we do pick it up from Adam in one way or another. And uh, off we go, trying to do what Adam failed to do. And it just kind of messes up the whole gospel thing. Um, so there's that. Um, but then, you know, just trying to get through all of these quickly, um, you've got a vital part of a theology of sojourn being covenantal theology, and also as a almost distinct component of that covenant theology, you need a well-worked-through doctrine of common grace. Or maybe to put this in a different category, uh, the doctrine of sacred and secular. From the time of the the, the garden um, uh, being, uh, well, from the time of man being exiled from the garden, uh, there has no longer been a theocracy as there once was. I mean, everything was perfect, everything was pure, everything was together, culture and cult were the same thing. Um, there was no religious and kingdom difference. Uh, but of course, when, when that ended, uh, at, at least that did all end when uh, Adam sinned and uh, very clearly ended when you know he was exiled out, out of the garden with, with Eve. And so at that point, I mean, you're seeing the emergence of Cain and the legitimacy of the city and the Cainite cities and um, on it goes while you have a very clear sense of the sojourning 
of uh, those that came before the patriarchs and of the patriarchs themselves. Um, so, you know, there we have uh, a good illustration, even from the very beginning, of the need to distinguish uh, the sacred activity of God and the, the common grace that God has given, certainly by the time Noah comes on the scene and, and that all gets affirmed with the, with the covenant there. Um, and then all the way through the Bible to what the apostles are drawing on, what Jesus draws on when he tells us to give taxes to Caesar, etc., and so um, <clears throat> that, that's all um, going to be massively informative in terms of the way that we live our lives, right? And to blur that distinction is just to cause havoc in our lives. Now, I mean, honestly, you could, I could spend this podcast and about a million more talking about this. Uh, what I'll do just to kind of make sure I'm moving forward here is to uh, recommend to you um, a great book that I often recommend, but it's just on. If you want to develop this point well, um, you want to look at things like uh, Michael Horton's um, Where in the World is the Church? He wrote a book all about that and then, you know, A, a Better Way um, and The Face of God and all of those books deal with these issues. And so, uh, but primarily, Where in the World is the Church? Go and check that book out uh, because it is a massive help on this point. You have to develop a sound doctrine of sacred and secular. All right. So we've got covenantal theology, sacred and secular. How are you doing in those two things? These things affect your life. Secondly, I mean, thirdly, at least, um, you've got the doctrine of two kingdoms. Massive, 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 uh, important doctrine that flows right out of everything we've just said. Um, <clears throat> it's almost like comes naturally after establishing um, this idea of common grace. If it's true that God uh, rules all the world through a special um, uh, developing spiritual grace and kingdom and also uh, is, is controlling everything within a common sphere, even amongst those who reject him, uh, then it then we have to sort of from that point start understanding that there are differences in the way that that um, God, the one ruler of the whole of creation, has decided to rule until things are once again brought into a perfect theocracy in heaven. Um, it means that God, through common grace, is going to appoint the magistrate, as it were, at some level, in some shape or form, uh, so as to retain a law and order. And this is exactly what Jesus says, this is exactly what Paul says, uh, even when it came to the authorities of Rome. Uh, they're ministers of God, uh, Paul said. Uh, for our sake. And so obviously there's abuses and corruptions and that's a whole other topic on its own as we think about the Antichrist theme. But um, but just, I mean, you know, you can't even go there until you understand this basic, uh, this basic reality of God ruling through a secular uh, means um, in the way that he does alongside God's uh, kingship and authority over his church, over the sacred realm in um, a way that is uh, different, in a way that, um, it, again, that Jesus alludes to very, very clearly, my kingdom is not of this world. And if it were, my servants servants would fight, but they're, they're, they're not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. The, all of the, the parables about the, uh, the slow growth of the kingdom, um, 
just over and over again, Jesus spells this principle out. And then, of course, you got the New Testament that develops it very, very clearly. But um, it's it's crucial. And, uh, you know, you start getting into government and doing the wrong thing. Uh, you start gunning for the wrong areas. You you want the church to overreach. You want to, you know, it starts to, it starts moving into um, your eschatology uh, where, where you think, okay, well, listen, if, if the goal is to just get into politics and, you know, r- rule with the iron rod and that sort of thing then, um, you know, it's just going to move you in a completely different direction. Think about how much that impacts sojourn. Yeah, then we stop looking like sojourners and we start looking like Israelites having entered into the land. Massive difference. Um, I, I often talk about the pilgrim principle and um, the theocratic principle. Uh, as you go throughout the Bible, you need to know when uh, a people of God are bound by their uh, pilgrim identity restraining themselves from or you know Klein uses that that uh, expression that I love so much being tolerated sojourners there being tolerated they themselves are tolerating uh, the the imperfections of of the current age um, but they're not commissioned in any way to go ahead and just uh, overreach and um, and to you know bring about sort of any earthly geopolitical kingdom now so you've got to get that right you know obviously and this is the crusades this is everything you know for a thousand years the church got this very very wrong and we're still paying for it so bottom line um a doctrine of two kingdoms i think is vital you know i think it's absolutely essential to get that right i know there's a lot of kickback within the reformed community, but I also know why, because they're mono-covenantal and because they're, they've got all these other things wrong as well. And so, no, no kidding, they're not going to like two kingdoms, because it's almost like the, the plumb line to test whether the rest of your theology is sound on this. And so, yeah, I've, when I see someone reject two-kingdom theology, I get very, very worried. Um, so, that's you, you know, you need to come in, come in and see the doctor, you know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Fourthly, and this is almost, we're halfway there in the previous point, but eschatology. You have to get your eschatology right. And you see how this is going to, again, it's going to come in. uh, It almost feels like it's just, it's oozing in from the rest of the stuff. Uh, Certainly as we talk about the, the overlap of the ages, you know, even in this podcast, that's exactly what we're talking about. Do you understand, I mean, if you're understanding that, uh, the, the great triumphant age of the, the church is what we're striving for in politics. And so if we basically, you know, get into Christian government and every government is enforcing Christian laws and then, you know, everyone goes to jail if they don't go to church on Sunday and finally the enemies are banished and churches prosper and we're having this great age of revival enforced by the state. And, you know, uh, and then basically that is understood as Jesus ruling with the iron rod and yay, you know, that sounds awesome. And there's your millennium. You know, your millennium of peace, and um, and then Jesus returns after that. It's just, you know, even though we all meet at the end that Jesus returns and then, you know, we'll have that final, final reality, up until that point, just consider how radical that is in terms of the way it will sway your view of the Christian life and of the sojourn. Again, you don't, it looks then like you're not even trying to sojourn. It looks like you're trying to get into into Israel and you're plundering the Amalekites. Or you're trying to, at least, maybe not very well. And um, yeah, I mean, like, what more do you need to say about that? You've got church history uh, demonstrating 
um, you know, era after era of what it looks like for the church to try and plunder the so-called Amalekites. It, it ends in things like crusades or racism, as I think about, uh, not racism, racism, racism. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I haven't had my coffee yet. It's early. Um, and, you know, there, there we go. So you've got, you've got, um, you've got a, apartheid in South Africa. Dang, terrible. And that's coming right out of this theology. Um, and then you've got the states, you know, you could talk about that. So just all, and it's not even the only thing we could say, but just, you know, trying to just keep this brief. I mean, dude, <laughs> that's going to affect your sojourn big time if you don't get that right. So eschatology, you've got to understand how the already not yet tension of the New Testament works. You have to understand how eschatology is really from the from the very beginning, not just something that we're thinking about at the end, either um, in a post-millennial scheme or a pre-millennial scheme. That's the other dirty side of this this thing, in that you got people that are, you know, just waiting for the rapture and um you know, it's sci-fi eschatology and all sorts of nonsense. And it's going to lead to either a monasticism in that you withdraw from community, batten the hatches, who cares, it's all burning anyway, or it's going to lead to a utopianism. You know, we're all trying to set up a utopia before it's ready, an over-realized eschatology or an under-realized eschatology. These things are terrible in terms of the way they affect the, the individual Christian walking through this life. They affect people. Um, and so, you know, to have a balanced Understanding of eschatology, I would argue uh, very strongly that that is going to look like amillennialism, but it's not even about the millennium, so don't get even caught up on that stupid thing. It's about the um, it's about the ethos and the whole the sense and understanding uh, of where the Christian is in the story. That that is what we're after primarily. Uh, we're not getting caught up on, on on weird, obscure details that that derail the Christian life. Uh, we want to be set on that which the Bible speaks about anyway even outside of the book of Revelation. We want to be clear on those things and uh, live in accordance with the New Testament principles. So there's uh, eschatology. And then, of course, um, you've got, uh, at the end, the doctrine of mission, right? I mean, this is just, this is going to be the, the crowning point in many ways, in that if we've, if we've cleared the space, we know, we know that um, um, you've got your common grace platform on which to work. You understand the way in which you're allowed to and uh, interact with surrounding cultures. It's not like a theocracy where you have to kill the surrounding cultures. You know, it's uh, you, you you interact with them. You uh, contextualize. You um, are, are meant to, uh, as a pilgrim, be able to live in Babylon. Um, and, and so you've got your cultural context, cultural engagement, and within that framework, you are understanding the sa- the sacred at least, and you're moving uh, in the direction of that which the Lord has called as a spiritual mission, uh, which is the great fulfillment of that covenant theology of the final Adam bringing about dominion on this earth through a spiritual advance of the kingdom um, preceding his coming. So, you know, all of that is wrapped up in what, they're not normally grouped together like that, but I think that they should be because those particular doctrines have such dramatic effect on the Christian life and specifically the doctrine of sojourn um, or what I'm saying should be called a doctrine of sojourn. Maybe more traditionally, uh, you're looking at the doctrine of mission, the doctrine of ministry, the doctrine of vocation, uh, perhaps more traditional categories there. But uh, all of those, mission, ministry, vocation, 
um, the Christian life are all under this this thing, even ecclesiology, under this thing called uh, what we're doing, sojourning through this age. We're two-age sojourners, folks, and um, this is the stuff we got to we got to breathe this kind of theology to get this right. Anyways, even if you're just hearing this for the first time, at least it allows you to know a little bit more about what makes uh, this podcast tick. Uh, this is the kind of thing, one way or another, just by the way, I'm going to be, this is going to be oozing in all the time, whether you know it or not. Uh, if it's coming from philosophy, it's it's coming from that cultural context engagement thing, uh, living in Babylon, seeking the peace of the city vibe. Um if it's coming, you know, just Meredith Mondays are providing a lot of the theological undergirding for this. Um, the obviously the, the common grace thing and um, the eschatology thing, it's all coming from that. And then, of course, what I did think about doing, actually, this would be crazy, is changing Technical Tuesday to Two Kingdom Tuesday. What? Yes, please. Man, I am. <laughs> that is awesome. So I've got 1689 Saturday, which I totally overlooked before. But I mean, there you're getting a doctrine. That's where we're bringing a lot of the stuff in from that angle as well. Um, uh, Meredith Monday, fairly obvious. Two Kingdom Tuesday. Huh. I'm going to have to think about that one. All right. Two Kingdom Tuesday. Whatever Wednesday, everyone needs a break and a little halfway mark. Uh, Thursday Theology, that's kind of obvious. Again, this whole thing is seeping in from that angle. And uh, Philosophy Friday, I already mentioned that. And yeah, 1689 Saturday. The Sojourner Pod Week and Key Doctrines for Sojourn. I hope it's a great start to your week. <laughs>